Thanks for tuning into this week's message. For more resources and information about Cedar Valley, please visit cvchurch.org. Today we're in our last, we've been going about eight, nine weeks, we've been going on this book of Ecclesiastes, and we're in the very last week today. Um, a number of months ago, and I don't even remember when it was, but it's been within the last year, I know that. I read an article, and I just happened to be reading this article, and there was a guy who was a professional counselor. He was a mental health counselor. And he said, he said, almost everyone that I see and almost every problem that they have comes down to this. Regardless of the problem, regardless, it comes down to this. They're actually looking for meaning in life. Let me say it again. Every problem that they have, every issue that they have, regardless of who they are, it almost always boils down to this. What they're really saying is they're looking for meaning in life. This is the question that we're asking today. How do I find meaning? How do I find fulfillment in life? And I'll tell you this, we're doing all kinds of crazy things to find it, yes? Folks are doing the craziest things, and we do the craziest things. I do the craziest things, really looking for meaning and fulfillment. Every once in a while when I just kind of lose my way or I lose my focus. Now I thought, well, this is interesting, and I'll just hop on you know, the interweb and, and, and see how prevalent this is. Look what I found, like from, this is my first search, I found these different things. Finding fulfillment in life, 21 ideas to stay positive and happy, 15 habits of highly fulfilled people, 10 simple steps to fulfillment, seven essential keys to finding fulfillment, five ways to feel more fulfilled in life, three ways to find fulfillment wherever you are. You think anybody's looking for meaning, for fulfillment, for purpose? Why do I get up in the morning? Why do I get up? Why, why don't I just get up and go, mm, just pack it in? I just pack it in. Folks are looking for something to say, why, what gets me out of bed in the morning? What am I doing? What am I really doing? Am I just raising kids in my home? What am I really doing here? Am I just hanging on to my marriage? What am I really doing here? Am I just going to work to make a buck, buy a bigger house, another car? Like, what am I really doing? What am I, how do I find meaning and fulfillment and purpose in life? Okay, so we've been about eight or nine weeks in the book of Ecclesiastes, and it's been very interesting as people continue to ask this question, Solomon was asking the same question. Solomon was actually asking, how do I find meaning? How do I find fulfillment? Now remember this, just for context, remember who Solomon was. He's the wealthiest man who's ever lived. If you go dollar for dollar and you extrapolate it out, cost of living and all that stuff, he's, he's wealthier than Bezos, right, Mr. Amazon. He's, he's wealthier than Elon Musk, Tesla. He's wealthier than Bill Gates. Any of those people, Solomon would have had more money. He was, at 16 years of age, he was made king of the most powerful nation on the face of the earth. Right? I know this doesn't sound kosher, but he had 700 wives, 300 concubines. In a patriarchal culture, that means you're a big deal. This guy had it all. He was the wisest man who ever lived. And we read this retrospective book that we just read where he's, he's, he's telling us about his journey. I, I just thought I was going looking for everything, looking for everything, looking for everything. And now he's turning and he's going to answer this question. We're going to get to the very end. Today is the grand finale and he's going to scoop us in on it. So if you've ever wondered, where is real meaning in life? Where is real purpose for life? Where is real fulfillment for life? We're like, Where is that stuff coming from? How do I find it? We're, we're going to see that today. Now, remember this, because I think this is really important, that at the very beginning, we saw this in chapter 1, where he said this, everything is meaningless, says the teacher, completely meaningless. He had gotten to a point in his life where he said, life has no meaning. It, it, it's useless. Now, we saw this as well, that this word meaningless was really the word havel. It's the Hebrew word, and it really means vapor, breath, fraudulent, 
empty, futile uses. We said this, that it was like grabbing for smoke. It was like grabbing for smoke. That he was saying, for you to find meaning and fulfillment and purpose in life, he had gotten to that point in his life. He was so far off to the tracks that he's saying finding meaning and, and, and fulfillment is really like this. Now we're going to see at the end, he's come back to his senses and he's telling us. Meaning, fulfillment, purpose. He's going to tell us today where it comes from. When you leave today, you should have a better idea. You should have a really clear idea. Where does meaning and fulfillment and purpose in life, where does that come from? How do we find it? Ecclesiastes chapter 12, if you want to turn there in your Bibles, that's where we're going to be today. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, Solomon's going to give us the grand finale, and he's going to clue us in on where all this comes from. I'm going to ask you if you have it, would you just stand to your feet? As we read this, and uh, if you're new, if you're a guest, if you're a visitor, we always stand just at the beginning when we read our primary text. And what it does is it serves as a reminder for us that this isn't just another book written by some good fellows, right? This is God's word. This is actually right now, this is God speaking to this room, 2022, right here, right now. I'm starting in verse 1, follow along. He says, don't let the excitement of youth cause you to forget your creator. Honor him in your youth, before you gray and old, before you grow old, and say life is not pleasant anymore. Remember him before the light of the sun, the moon, the stars has dimmed your old eyes, and rain clouds continually darken your sky. Remember him before your legs, the guards of your house, start to tremble, and before your shoulders, the strong men stoop. Remember him before your teeth, your few remaining servants stop grinding, and before your eyes. The women looking through the windows see dimly. Verse 4, remember him before the door to life's opportunities is closed and the sound of work fades. Now you rise to the first chirping of the birds, but then all their sounds will grow faint. Remember him before you become fearful of falling and worrying about danger in the streets, before your hair turns white like an almond tree in bloom, and you drag along with inner you drag along without energy like a dying grasshopper, and the caperberry no longer inspires sexual desire. Remember him before you near the grave, your everlasting home, when the mourners will weep at your funeral. Verse 6, yes, remember your creator now while you are young, before the silver cord of life snaps and the golden bowl is broken. Don't wait until the water jar is smashed at the spring and the pulley is broken at the well, for then the dust will return to the earth, and the Spirit will return to God who gave it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the word, your word this morning. And now, Lord, uh, we want to continue just focusing on you and thinking about you and worshiping you, O oh God. And so speak to us, Holy Spirit. We need you to speak, to give clarity. What is it you are trying to say to us, God? That's the question we're asking. and We're listening. What is it you're trying to say to teach us today, O oh God? Speak in a way that we can understand, that we hear clearly. Speak in a way that captures our hearts and speak in a way that draws us to you as your people. Draw us even closer, Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You guys can have a seat. So again, I would just remind you, it's the grand finale. This is the grand finale, right? We've we've been studying through. We're finding out Ecclesiastes 12. It's the last chapter. We've been studying through it week by week. We've asked a lot of questions We've seen him say a lot of things. I would just tell you and remind you, this is a retrospective warning. And so again, perspective. You know, Solomon wrote three books that we have in our Bible. 
he wrote uh, Ecclesiastes that we have here. He wrote Song of Solomon and he wrote Proverbs. But he didn't write them necessarily in the order that they're in our Bible. He wrote Proverbs when he was very young. Solomon was the wisest man who ever lived. When he was young, he wrote the Proverbs, right? And then in his middle life, he wrote to us the Song of Solomon. And in his later life, this is what he wrote, Ecclesiastes. So who's ever writing this down, who's ever capturing the story, he's recounting to them where he said, hey, here's where I was. I got way off track, lost my way, looked for meaning in a whole lot of different things, and I got to the end of my life, and this was my final conclusion. Now, if you had a chance to sit down with somebody like Jeff Bezos or Bill Gates or Elon Musk, right, somebody like that, and pick their brain, I think it would be really interesting. I'd love to have a lunch with somebody like that and just pick their brain. Okay, better. Better, because here we get to pick the brain of Solomon. And we get to see it in a retrospective type of warning. So look at your passage. He says here, and this is in verse 1, Don't let the excitement of youth cause you to forget your creator. Stop. Don't let the excitement of youth cause you to forget your creator. We all oftentimes know this, that there is a creator. He's talking here about the great creator. We see this from the psalmist who says this, When I look at the night sky and see the work of your fingers, he's referring to God, the moon and the stars you set in place. We all acknowledge this, that there is a creator, right? That we know God created the stars and the sky, that God created the seas and the mountains. And if you've ever been to any of those places that are just majestic. Now, we... We, we, don't, we don't travel. I don't love to fly necessarily uh, where we vacation. But what we do is we go north in the, in the winter. And the reason we go north in the winter is because, yes, no one's there. That's why we go north. And we love it. But I'm telling you, the whole time we drive around up there, you just see Lake Superior, right? It's massive. You feel like you're out to sea. And the, and the scenery is beautiful. If you've ever been to the Grand Canyon, you get that kind of landscape. If you've ever been to the mountains, you, you get that kind of landscape. And you say, wow. Wow, and you understand the majesty of the creator, right? But I think it's very interesting. He didn't say the creator. He says this, don't let the excitement of your youth cause you to forget your creator. He's telling us here to remember your creator. You need to remember your creator. I need to remember my creator. Again, the psalmist said this, you, God, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and you knit me together in my mother's rooms. Thank you, God, for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. He's talking about your creator. This is what he's talking about. Stop. Just stop. We're at the end of the book. We're coming to the conclusion. Here are some concluding words for him. Stop, everybody, and remember that you have a creator. Now, I think this is very important that we take a look at this word uh, uh, creator. It is from the Hebrew word bara, right? And it means this. It means to fashion by cutting. It, it's from this word to create. Now, I just want you to take this in and think about it this minute because he's telling you, remember your creator. The creator is from this word bara. It's someone who, to fashion by cutting. It is to pair a reed for writing or to pair a stick for an arrow. You can't pick up just any, any, any reed and write with it. It's not ready for that. It's not right for that. Why? What a creator does is they take the reed and they start whittling it and they design it. They create it so that it is just right and effective for writing. You can't pull any, any branch off a tree and fire it as an arrow. That doesn't work. What do you have to do? You pair it because there are all kinds of branches, right? A designer, a creator does that. It takes this and, 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 and he, the creator 
pairs off those branches and shapes it and makes it perfect for an arrow, there will be an instrument that is used effectively. See, what, what Solomon is saying here is, remember now, remember your creator. You have a designer. Stop it. You're looking for meaning and fulfillment in life. The first thing he's saying is, remember your creator, your designer. Now, I'm going to try to illustrate it this way. I have this weird phrase in my life that I continually hear, and it drives me cuckoo. It drives me crazy. It just irritates me at times. And the phrase, say this with me, hmm, I've never seen that. Okay, so that was all right, but I need to, I need to feel it right now. I need to get in this. So we're going to do this again, but you know how like kids' songs have hand motions? Hand motions really help me. So this time, we're going to say it again. We're going to say it like, just like this. Watch. We're going to go, hmm. I've never seen that before. Okay, with me. Here we go. Hmm. I've never seen that before. Okay, so here's where I hear that all the time. True story. This happens to me all the time. So I'm the dude who's always got an issue with his computer. Always. My computer always goes on the fritz. It's always irritating me. It's always frustrating me. So I pay people. I've paid texts uh, online. Like they've, they've gone into my computer from a distance and da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And we're working on it for a while. After a while, I promise you the truth. The, the, the tech will say, hmm, I've never seen that before. Uh, I, I had a guy come over to my house. He's there live and in person. He's working on it with me. True story. The guy's an expert. He's a professional. He knows what he's doing. Pretty soon, he stands, and we've been there about 45 minutes, and he says, we moved at our house. We moved. And so we had to call the, the internet company and our, you know, our, uh, our cable company. They're coming over to the house. I said, they scheduled me for time. I said, yeah, I'll make that work. But just tell me this. How long do you think it'll take? Oh, we're just transferring service. 30 minutes. Two hours later, he's called another tech who's supposed to be a genius. That guy comes to our house. The two of them are standing together in our living room. The one tech looks at the other tech. True story, I promise you. And he says, okay, now I got Frank here at work. And if you know Frank, Frank is our tech at work. And the dude is awesome. And he's a genius. And he knows how all this stuff works. And I'm telling this, and he just starts laughing. He goes, no, 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 I'll come up to your office. I'll get this thing fixed. Don't worry about it. Frank comes up to my office. Dip, 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 dip. Dip, 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 dip. About 45 minutes later, Frank says to me, hmm, I've never seen that before. It's, I said, stop saying that. <laughs> now, here's what Frank did. He says, well, let me ask you this. Um, how often do you restart your computer? I said, brother, that's why you buy new computers. I don't restart my computer. <laughs> I'm the dude who's always, true story, I've always got 50 tabs up. I never restart the thing. So Frank starts explaining to me how computers work, how they communicate, how, how, how this is how they function best. See, what Frank was explaining is how they're made What's their design? Did you know this, that they work best, that they work most efficiently when they're used the way they're designed? Okay, now we all laugh, but listen to me. Remember your creator. Remember that you were made by a creator. 
Remember that you were specifically designed by a creator with specific reasoning in mind. Now, he says at the very beginning, don't forget, don't forget. But when you get to the next verse, he says this specifically, remember him, remember him. Now, I want to I show you this because I want us to think differently because this is the grand finale because we're trying to find out where does meaning and fulfillment in life come from. And we need to understand this. Yes, you have a designer. Yes, you have a creator. And not only should we not forget him, it's important that we remember him. You got to understand the Hebrew word is zakar. Zakar means to recall, yes, like we think, to call to mind, like we think, but usually as affecting feeling, thought, or action. It's behavior. To remember, listen, you all know the speed limit when you get on the interstate is 70 miles an hour. Do you not know that? Okay, now you're driving and you get pulled over because you're driving 90. You don't say, huh, I forgot that it was 70. Like, you don't say that. You knew that, but you didn't recall it or you didn't call it to mind in a way that, that, that affects your behavior. Do you understand? Okay, what Solomon is saying here is, Zakar, your creator, recall him or call to mind that you have a designer in a way that affects your behavior. Is that making sense? Okay, that's what he's saying. Now, he goes on through this litany. You're going to see this. It's really interesting. It's poetic and metaphoric language that's going to walk you and I through as we get older. Some of you, this is going to be more personal. Some of this hurt just a little bit more, right? But he says this as he gets into it. He says, remember him, Zakar. Call to mind that you have a designer. Call that to mind in a way that affects your behavior before the light of your sun, moon, and stars is dim to your old eyes and rain clouds continually darken your sky. He's just saying, do it now. Do it now before your sight starts to dim. He just keeps encouraging us, do it right now. Don't wait don't wait till after the service. Don't wait till tomorrow. Don't wait till the start of the year. Don't wait till the fall. Don't wait till the summer starts. Do it right now. He's saying before your vision dims. He says, remember him, Zakar, in a way that affects your behavior before your legs, the guards of your house, start to tremble. And before your shoulders, the strong men stoop. He's just talking about when we start to get like this, when we start to get old and you get weaker. Remember him right now. Call to action. Call to thought. Right? This idea that you have a designer creator and do it in a way that affects your behavior right now, ASAP. He goes on and he says, remember him before your teeth, your few remaining servants. Stop grinding. I just had a tooth pulled like a month ago. That one hurt a little bit. And in some translations, I love this. In some translations, it doesn't say teeth. It just says, hey, remember him before you lose your grinders. <laughs> I love that right? He's saying, do it now, because as you get older, like, he's just giving us the metaphor, you start to lose your teeth, those things, right? Do it now before that happens. Further, he goes on, he says, and before your eyes, the women looking through the windows, see dimly. As we get older, I didn't wear glasses till I was about 45 last year. I didn't wear glasses till about 45. <laughs> Why is that funny? Remember him as a car in a way that affects your behavior, everybody. Before the door to life's opportunities is closed and the sound of work fades. Again, believe it or not, he's talking about your mouth, right? The door to life's opportunities. And he's talking about you lose your appetite as you get older. Right. Remember him right now in a way that actually affects your behavior. Now you rise with the first chirping of the birds, but then 
all their sounds will grow faint. Do it right now before you're hearing. He's just talking about the aging process. Before your hearing starts to fade. Remember him, Zakar, before you become fearful of falling and worry about danger in the streets. The older we get, we start to have more of these fears. I don't want to fall. I don't want to hurt myself. We, we, he's just saying, do it now before you get older. Before your hair turns white like an almond tree in blossom. If you've ever seen an almond tree, when they blossom, boom, it just pops white, right? Some of that's happening. Some of you are losing your almonds. Like that happens too, <laughs> right? And you drag, I love this one, and you drag along without energy like a dying grasshopper. Like we, we just start to walk like this. And he's just saying, do it now. If you want to find meaning, fulfillment, and purpose in life, if you want that to happen, remember right now that you have a designer and remember it in a way that actually affects your behavior. He's still going on. And he says, and you drag along without energy like a dying grasshopper. And the caperberry no longer inspires sexual desire. Like he gets really personal here. The caperberry was thought to be an aphrodisiac. And he's just talking about as you age, you're dropping libido. He's saying, do it right now. He continues, he says, remember him, Zakar, before you near the grave, your everlasting home, when the mourners will weep at your funeral. He's talking about the very final days. He's talking about the very final days. Do it now. Do you want to find meaning? Do you want to find purpose? Do you want to find fulfillment? Okay, right now, ASAP, especially to some of this crowd before you get older, but even now, right now, ASAP, remember this, Zakar, call to mind in a way that, that affects your behavior the fact that you have someone who designed you, who fashioned you, who created you. Do that right now. Then he says this, yes, remember your creator now while you're young, before the silver cord of life snaps. He's talking about your spinal cord. When, when it all ends and the golden bowl is broken, he's talking about your coconut up here before that's broken, before life is all over. Don't wait. This, is, this language is so interesting. Don't wait until the water jar is smashed at the spring. When you would go to the spring, to the well, a water jar is that which it, it captures things. It sucks it in, right? He's talking about your lungs. Before your lungs are done, before you stop breathing, and the pulley is broken at the well. The pulley is what makes everything go at the well. It's what makes the well pump. He's talking about your heart. Before all of this happens, stop Remember this, that you have a creator who fashioned you and designed you. And you got to think about that creator in a way that impacts your daily behavior. For then, he says, the dust will return to the earth and the spirit will return to God who gave it. Man, can he just say it any more ways? This is the guy who's been there, done that, got the T-shirt, owns the company that owns the T-shirts, owns the conglomerate that owns the T-shirt company. This is that guy. Right? That guy has been there and done it. That guy is telling us, don't make the same mistakes I made. I got off the track. I started chasing fulfillment in all other kinds of ways. I was chasing the meaning life in all other kinds of ways. Now, here's where he really gets down to brass tacks. He says this, that's the whole story. Here now is my final conclusion. So we'll have another motion. I'll say that. And then everybody go like this. That's the whole story. Here now is my final conclusion. Everybody lean in, because this is it. 
This is it. So he's told us to remember God. Now he's going to tell us practically how do we actually remember him. He's going to give us two big things that we do to remember God. Here's number one. Number one is fear God. Now, we've read this from Solomon before, and Solomon has told us this before, that we are to fear God. Now, sometimes when we get to fear God, that's kind of a weird statement. It's a weird phrase. Like, what, how, what, we're supposed to be afraid of God? Here's where I always like to go. When you get into the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 20, the, the Israelites have, have just come out of uh, Egypt, and they were slaves for 400 years, and they were treated harshly, and Moses and Aaron come, and they lead them out. And they've been going about two to three months, and they come to the base of Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai is where God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. It's where he spoke all the law to him. And so Moses goes up there, and the, cloud, the, the mountain is covered in a cloud, and the people are staying down below. And then for, after 40 days, Moses comes down, and the people are like, wow, and they notice this big change in him. And, and so Moses is getting them ready. He's like, hey, you're going to hear from God. You're, you folks are going to meet with God. Wash your clothes. Everybody take a bath. He told this to the whole nation of Israel. No sex for three days. Just, I don't care. You're married. That's great. But no sex for three days. You're going to meet the great creator. And then he takes Aaron, and they go back up the mountain. And while he's up there, it's this amazing scene. I wish I could make a movie about this, right? There's thunder, and there's lightning, and there's a smoke, and there's like, it's dramatic, it's dramatic, it's dramatic. And Moses comes down from the mountain now, and he tells them, God is going to speak to you. And here's what the people say. Oh, no, they said. You speak to us and we'll listen, but don't let God speak directly to us because if he does, we'll die. Now watch what Moses says. First he says, don't be afraid, right? He says, don't be afraid, Moses answered them, for God has come in this way to test you and so that your fear of him will keep you from sinning. Do you get that? Don't be afraid, but you should be afraid. Isn't that interesting language? He's saying this essentially, don't be afraid, fear God. That's what he's telling him. Don't be afraid. Fear God. How do we fear God? How is it that we do it? If we're remembering God, and part of that is to fear God, how is it that we fear God? And I would say this, that a healthy view of God creates a healthy fear of God. If you want to fear God, you've got to have a healthy view of God. Here's why. Because some people think that God is just angry and ticked and mad and mean, and he's always having a bad day. That's what they think. And he's just looking to zap somebody with a bolt of lightning. And so as a result, if that's your opinion of God, then when you sin or when you do something wrong, right, we make stupid mistakes and we just sin, you don't run to God. Where do you run? You run away from God. You run away. Why? Because he's angry and he's mad and he's mean. Right. A healthy view of God creates a healthy fear of God. If you had a healthy view of God, because a healthy view of God says this, he is holy. Yes, he is righteous. He is just. He is blameless. He cannot tolerate sin. Wait. He's loving and he's kind, and he's merciful, he's patient, he's long-suffering. See, when you have a healthy view of God, your fear of God is healthier because now when you sin, you don't run away from God. You run to God. You run into the arms of God because, number one, your love for him is so great, you don't want to do anything more that would dishonor him. But you also know that his arms are open, that he's a loving God who says, come to me, that this is a God who offers forgiveness. See, when you have a healthy view of God, it creates a healthy fear of God. It's hard to have a healthy fear of God when your view of God is all messed up. So, number one, he's saying this, fear God. Fear God. I want to show you what happens when the church fears God. Because you know what I think the church is really missing today? A healthy fear of God. Our view of God is inappropriate, and so we don't fear God properly. And when we fear God, I want to tell you, only good things happen. 
Bad things still happen, but I'm saying the result. In the book of Acts, we read about that churches multiplying, multiplying, multiplying. You get to chapter 9, it says, Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace, and they were strengthened, and they were living in the fear of the Lord, and they were encouraged by the Holy Spirit, and so it increased in numbers. See, if we were really living with a healthy fear of God, do you know what happened to the church today? We just blow up. Because people would see what, what we have. They're like, man, do I want that. I totally want that. I just think we don't have a healthy view of God. We got so much of the culture just trying to say, oh, it's all good because God is love. And then we got this other part of the culture that's going, God's angry with that. I'm like, what if we use the word and? What if it's and? What if it's both? Right? Like, God is a God of love, yes, but he's a holy God. Right? If we lived in that. Now, listen, God forbid that we would ever grow just in numbers, that that would ever be our goal. Our goal needs to be that we grow in the fear of the Lord, and then God will take care of everything. Right? So he says this. He says to fear God. He says, that's the whole story. Here's my conclusion. Fear God and obey his commands. Obey his commands. If we're not obeying God's commands, there's only two reasons, right? Either we're just flat-out disobedient or we're ignorant. If we're flat-out disobedient, the only thing you can do is you've got to acknowledge your sin. You've got to repent of your sin. You've got to confess it as sin. Like that, that's what you've got to be if you're just willfully disobedient. But some people are just, I use the word ignorant, but I'm just saying they don't know. Maybe you're new in the faith. Maybe you're here and you just came to follow Jesus. Maybe you don't really know what it means to follow Jesus. Maybe you don't know what that whole lifestyle means. You don't understand it. Let me just say this just so you're now aware, right? The scripture tells us this. Jesus speaking said, if you love me, you will keep my commands. That's obedience. If you love me, you will keep my commands. In fact, he says this. This is love for God to keep his commands. See, that's a love for God. Here's what Solomon is saying. I got to the end of my life. I was looking for meaning. I was finding fulfillment. Man, I chased a lot of things. You folks don't have to do that. You don't have to waste your time. I know you're all looking for it, he would say. Everybody's looking for it. You don't have to waste time doing that. I'm going to just give you the cliff notes on this life thing. Remember your creator. How do I do that? Well, yeah, fear God. And obey his commands. So I want to give you the big so what for today. Visitors, if you're new, you don't have to guess what we're trying to say. We just tell you at the end. Meaning is found in remembering. You want meaning in life? You want fulfillment in life? You want to find purpose in life? You can chase a whole lot of things. You can waste a whole lot of time. You can waste a whole lot of relationships. You can do all of that. Or you can listen to somebody who did all that and now is cluing us in. And he would say this, remember your creator. How do we do that? We fear God and we obey his commands. I always just ask you to think with me because I always think of the church, not just our church, the church, capital C. What would the church look like? If you and I were living in a fashion that said, we remember our creator. What if we, what if we did that? What if we lived that way, our daily life was that, that we remembered our creator, that when we walked out of here and somebody cut us off on a road, right, 
we would remember our Creator. That when we get into a hassle with our family or a spouse, stop. How would I behave and speak if I remembered my Creator? If I was at school and somebody was just being a jerk, and I just said, wait, 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 what would it mean for me right now to remember my Creator? What would that look like? Right? See, meaning, meaning, fulfillment, purpose, all of that comes from remembering. So I'm going to give you a big now what to do this week. We took communion together this morning because we say in communion we remember. Do this in remembrance of me. So here's what I want you to do this week. I want you this week to take communion at home. I want you to do it. I want you to do it at home. Kim and I will do it at home, just the two of us. If you're a married couple, if you've got kids, do it at home. If you're a single, you might do it with your life group. You might get somebody else that you know as a Christian, and you would stop and you would take communion. Real quick plug, if you have kids and you say, is it appropriate for my kids or not, that's up to you. You have a conversation with your kids. You tell them why we're doing this. If you write this down, 1 Corinthians 11, 23 to 28, will just give you a good thought from the scripture on communion. But I would say do that this week on your own, at your home, with your spouse, with your kids, with a friend. Call somebody from church and say, hey, how about we take communion together? Do it in your life group. You figure it out. Take communion this week as a way of remembering. Got it? Now, we're going to do one more thing this morning to remember, just in a very practical uh, manner, to be honest. I want you to hear the heart of God. I want you to hear how God feels. I want you to hear just the shape of God's heart, right? Listen to Psalm 146. God gives justice to the oppressed. That's the heart of God. God gives food to the hungry. That's the heart of God. God frees prisoners. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are weighed down. The Lord loves the godly. The Lord protects the foreigner among us. He cares for orphans and widows. And I like this, he frustrates the plans of the wicked. So we're going to do something very tangible, something that we can really feel as a form of remembering this morning. We're going to take a very special offering. We rarely do this. We rarely do this. But we're going to take a very special offering specifically this morning for Ukraine. I think that's, it's the heart of God. That's the heart of God right now. What's something, we talked about this. What can we do really practical? It's the heart of God. God has a heart of justice. God has a heart for the oppressed. God has a heart for those who are, who are being oppressed. That's the heart of God. God wants to foil the plans of the wicked. And so we're going to give these to primarily two organizations that we work with. We'll give them to Steiger International. Now we have a very close association because of Ben Pierce goes here, he and his family. They have people on the ground, and we're going to give to Convoy of Hope. Convoy of Hope is boots on the ground. So you'll know that anything you give at this time is going there. You don't designate it. You just put Ukraine. If you're giving texting to give, you put Ukraine. If you're giving online, you put Ukraine. If it gets dropped in the bucket, this money all gets separated, and it'll go to Ukraine. I'm going to ask our ushers to come forward if they would. Hey, and just so you know, there's no pressure there's no pressure. This is above and beyond. We've already given this morning. There's no pressure to give. We just want to do this as a way to remember. Got it? 
As they're coming forward, let me pray. Father, this morning, we thank you for uh, the time in your word this morning. We thank you for time to worship you, time to acknowledge you as the God Almighty. We thank you for your goodness to us. And now, God, we want to be generous and give to this specific activity. We want to pray for those in Ukraine who are being just oppressed, God, for those who are being shelled, for those who are losing their homes, for those whose families are being separated, for those who are already out of the country, but they're refugees. Father, we pray for those Russians who are having to fight and they know it's wrong. And we know that they're there as well. We pray that you will bless the giver, God, that you will use these monies for your kingdom, for your namesake, for your glory. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. 